I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 544 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please go over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have got an awesome guest for you guys here today to close out what has just been an incredible week on First Class Fatherhood. Jim Brewer is a legendary comedian who is well-known for his roles in movies such as Half-Baked with Dave Chappelle. He was also a regular cast member on Saturday Night Live from 1995 to 1998. Jim has had his own specials, one-hour specials on Comedy Central. He has toured the country with his hilarious stand-up. He has also hosted radio shows on Sirius XM, TV shows on MTV and VH1. He has got one of the most iconic deliveries. He's one of the funniest comedians of all time. I'm honored to have him on the podcast today. Jim Brewer will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Jim Brewer was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the comedian and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Okay, and if you guys enjoyed today's interview with Jim Brewer, you're going to love some of the other comedy dads that have stopped by the podcast here, including Adam Carolla, Danelle Rawlings, Howie Mandel, Joel McHale, and many others. Scroll through the archives of the podcast here. You'll find many comedians that have stopped by First Class Fatherhood. And be sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. I got an action-packed week coming your way next week. Find out who will be joining me. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit me with that rating and review. Always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please let me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. Right here with me, and I'm going to be right back with Jim Brewer. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. What's doing, dads? I've got two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood. First up, the NFL season is back and the stands are packed once again with fans the way it's supposed to be. If you plan on taking your kids, going with your family, or going with the guys to the game, save $20 on your tickets by going to SeatGeek.com or using the SeatGeek app and use my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and you get to save $20 off your tickets. Okay, and secondly, you got to go to MyPillow.com and save up to 66% off using my promo code FATHERHOOD. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD. I'll tell you right now, their pillows are great, but their mattress toppers, their towels, their bathrobes are next level. You got to check them out. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and you're going to save up to 66% off your order. All right, you got that, guys? SeatGeek, save $20 on your tickets, promo code over there, first class. My pillow promo code over there, fatherhood. All right, two ways for you guys to save money and support first class fatherhood. Joining me now, first class father, Jim Brewer. Welcome to first class fatherhood. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you. All right, let's start right here. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Oh, Alec, I have three girls, 22. 1916, which would explain the bags under my eyes, which would explain the vein that I often get from here to comes down here, uh, which would explain my calm demeanor over the years. I've become more calm and calm as time goes on. It's, uh, you know, God has taught me a lot about patience and being still yes. 
three teenage girls. Yeah, God bless you there. Thank you. And that's not including the wife. <laughs> well, we can't forget her. Yeah, I got I got three boys. Then we got our girl on the fourth try, uh, Jim. So we, I, I had, um, you know, we were if we didn't get her on four, we were going to go for five. So we got her on four. Were you, <laughs> were you, were you guys going to try for the boy there, or you guys were like, that's the end of this? Oh challenge? no, 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 no. What? It was never a question. And to be quite honest with you, never. I I have to say. I didn't really ever care if I had a boy or a girl. I didn't. I, I wasn't the type that was like, oh, it'd be great to have, you know, one boy, one girl or two boys, one girl, whatever. Whatever I got, I was willing to take and, and take it from there. But after the third one. <sighs> yeah, we were done. We were done. That was that is people don't understand the physical. Uh just a physical whooping every three or four hours waking up the while you're in a psychological warfare with the older ones there's just it's there's so much going on i loved every second of it don't get me wrong um but i'm really looking forward to this next chapter in my life (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine you are. And if you could hear Jim, please just take one minute to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, I, by trade, I'm a stand-up comedian. That's that's where I've always that's where I always started doing stand-up comedy, and the stand-up comedy led to you know some television, a little bit of film. Um, but even with that, even uh, with the, it was I was very successful in that world. It, it was family that became the forefront of all of it. So I, I had I had some great opportunities, but I, I also knew I did not want to um, I didn't want to go to California. I didn't want to be part of the Hollywood world where not many families last, not many because you're you're focused more on on not being a dad and not being a good husband and not being uh, there for, you know, the most important thing I, I realized watching other families growing up and, and watching broken homes and all that jazz. I realized that your kids are not around forever. Hollywood money, whatever you chase is around forever. And if you still have that, drive and you still have the talent it's always going to be there um you just say but that's what i do by trade i'm stand-up comedian i tour as a comedian i've been i do pretty good at it Uh, i'm happy with where i've been and what i've and i always kind of seem to be going beaten to my own drum which i thank god i had that opportunity and i still do yeah, very well said, Jim. Yeah, you've had a, a tremendous career over the years here. And I talk about on my podcast all the time, the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country. So many kids are growing up without a father or a father figure in the home. The family unit has really been decimated in this country. And in my opinion, it's the number one social issue we have going on. We're trying to solve all these other social issues. But unless we start strengthening our, our family units, I think we're just uh, you know beating a dead drum. We're just running around in circles. No, you're 100% right. And, you know, that's the basis of humanity. You know, we, we've over the last 
I don't know, 20, 30 years, I got so addicted to becoming over the word successful and becoming the ultimate goal. It's, uh, you know, they say drugs are addicting, heroin and all that. Well, guess what? So is money. So is being, quote, successful. And it's like if you work your way up the branch, you need to get higher and you want to be higher. And what that has done is ripped the family unit to pieces. Um, and that's what you're taught in college. That's what you're taught in school. It starts there. Be all you can be the best. And when you are the best, it's all for you. Um, we as humans, we are we are we're meant to look after each other. That's 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 what it all comes down to. We started as tribes and we're still tribes. It's being ripped apart um, by whatever we're being programmed. And so as we carry through life, there's nothing more important than setting examples for your kids. And and the and the other and the key part, too, is you have to realize, unlike being successful in a, a CEO or in a business or whatever, you're not getting an award. You're not getting the, the, the raise. You're not getting what you're getting is. Giving the most valuable thing you can give to another human, and that's the tools to be a good parent when they become one, to be a good human being, to be able to care, to be able to understand, to be able to make smart decisions, to be able to make mistakes, learn from the mistakes, and continue on. And that, uh, what, what has happened over the years is, you travel and you're never home or you're working. When I was a kid, there was no working on the weekends. There's no working. On, you don't work on weekends. You were a freak. You were a freak. Your dad works on Saturday. Was he a freak? No one works on the weekends. No one's working past five o'clock. What are you, a freak? What, what are you guys in turmoil? So the addiction of wanting more and more and more has blinded. The human spirit has blinded the parent of the most important thing in life, and that's parenthood. And I even say it with mothers. It's I find it disturbing and I find it disgusting that they have been taught that being a mother is not good enough. You have to be more important. Says who? You are the goddess of life. You are the one. That holds the precious jewel of a child that you are gifted and blessed with, that you hold on, that you nurture. That is a powerful, powerful uh, key essential part of life. And the balance with the father and the mother, I am so blessed that my wife uh, was able to stay home through those years and I have to say, we, we helped each other out. And, I, and, and to see other women be snarky with her and look down to her was something I'll never forget. And I realized this was society's creation. This was college creation. This was uh, an agenda creation. And quite frankly, I think it's disgusting. That's just my honest opinion. And people could bark and foam at the mouth and say what they want. But what's more important? Like, I, you know, I, I make lots of money or your child's messed up because you're never around. 
Uh, but you, you got all you can get. And the same thing with fathers. It's, it's a very tricky thing. It's not easy being a parent. It's probably the hardest thing in the world. But damn, you're lucky you got gifted of having that child and trusted by the highest spirits to have a child. Yeah, listen, I, I'm 100% right there with you. My, my wife was able to stay home with our, our four kids. Uh, and for some reason, I th- and obviously, I think by design, uh, you know, moms that, that stay at home, even saying stay at home, it sounds it's still it sounds like, we're, you know, we're enslaving them. Stay at home. Right. Stay at home as, as opposed to what? Right. Yeah. So I, I listen, I, I think and this is the biggest reason why I do this uh, podcast is to bring on guys that have had all these success and accolades like yourself, uh, Super Bowl MVPs, guys that have really accomplished. And they all say the same thing. Hey, listen, yes, I did this or that, but it's really been through becoming a father that's given me really any true sense of fulfillment in life. So I'm trying to get that message out to these young men who are being told, go out and get the big house and the big car and the big lifeline and the big Instagram account. And it's like, it's all fake. It's, it's, all this material stuff that brings nothing but emptiness so uh i i think it's the number one problem we have going on right now it's this illusion years ago people lived in smaller places and had bigger families today everyone's got a bigger place and a smaller family and our priorities somewhere along the line have been skewed you absolutely nailed it i mean growing up we were and not to sound like old timers but you were family you all looked at each other you you we gather in groups because the group helps each other. That's the tribe. That's the that's the village. That's the whole. And if you look at it's very interesting. I'll I'll fill you on on something because this is about parenthood. And it always cracks me up when I see if I, if I make a post. You know, I'll go on Facebook Live or something. And I love when people. Will say. Well, you you know, your career ended with X, Y. You sucked ever since. And you the reason why you do it is because you can't. And I don't get bothered by it because in 1999, when I had my daughter, I was peaking the movie Half-Baked. I had movie offers. I left Saturday Night Live because it was such a toxic environment for me. I was peaking. I had GoPro. It wasn't like I was, this guy's terrible. I was peaking. They made a doll after me. It was, um, but I knew they were pushing hard. And I also saw a lot. I met a lot of celebrities. Uh, I get to see behind the curtain. The public doesn't. And it, I will use the word disturbed me traumatized me and i said i don't want to be this human being this is not what humanity is about or fatherhood so we picked a place uh we went to new jersey and we were living in manhattan went to new jersey and we went to new jersey we started a family and after my second child i did realize I was traveling a lot because that's how I make my money and I was peaking and the shows were selling out. and I was making amazing money. But I also saw it was taking a toll on my wife, really taking a toll. And then I realized, you know what? I need to be home. So what I did, which a lot of people don't know, I went to Sirius XM radio before they before they even had Stern or anyone. Because I wanted to be home. I wanted to make sure I was home for my children and home for my wife. 
and I took a show and the show was called Brewer Unleashed. And I took two of my best friends that I grew up with uh, from Long Island that still worked. One worked at FedEx and the other one uh, was working uh, as a uh, as a wedding singer and another comedian friend. And we did that for a few years. And what that allowed me to do was still be creative. But at the same time, I was able to be home in the mornings all the way up until two. Uh, I would leave my house about one thirty, two o'clock, get into the city at three thirty, be live from four to six and then get home by seven thirty, eight o'clock. When that started coming to an end and my kids got a little older, I went back on the road. Um, and right now I'm at a point where the two older ones have left the house. However, we're just left with the 16 year old and the 16 year old, I realize needs a lot more intention than I anticipated. So I am now in the process of creating a podcast Patreon to take myself off the road and even if it fails and does horrendous and i don't make a penny i started with nothing i i know what that's like as long as you have family friends and love you're okay um but the reason why i do this and and that was another thing with the radio i knew my parents were getting elderly so i flew them from florida to new york so Mentally, the outside world's like, what happened to Jim Brewer? What, 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 oh, you, 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 what happened was I was taking care of my elderly parents, which I loved. I got to hold my dad to his last breath. I got to be with my mom as she passed. I, I got to see my children grow up. And now I'm at the point again where I said, eh, my daughter has a year and a half. This is her 11th grade. I want to be there in her 11th and 12th grade as much as possible. I drive her to school every morning. I try to pick her up. It hurts me when I'm away. I know she's having struggles with, with mom or whatever. So it's time for me to adjust again. And, and that is way more important in my life that allows me to sleep at night than whatever sold out show I'm getting. Whatever uh, gig I get offered, those mean nothing to me because I only got a year and a half left with this kid. So I'm not not that I'm tooting my own horn, but the outside world doesn't know those decisions. And that's okay. I do. And I sleep very well at night. Yeah, that's awesome stuff, Jim. And I, listen, I, just like you, I'm involved in just everything my kids do. I love it. I try to absorb all of it. I'm a class parent every chance I get. I, I'm always volunteering for everything, coach them in all their sports. I mean, it, 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 this is it. Like, you know, and I don't want to miss it. So uh, I hear what you're saying. And I wish, you know, there'd, there'd be more people that would make that decision. Because like I said right now, uh, and this is one of the reasons why I have so much respect for the men and women that serve in the military is because I can't imagine mm. having to be deployed overseas and not be with your kids. I mean, I, I can't imagine what that does psychologically to so many of them. I know now it's a little bit easier, not easier, but better with like FaceTime and stuff where you can actually see them and be brought to some of the events. But it's it's a it's a humongous sacrifice that these guys and, and, and women make. So uh, it's one of the reasons why I bring a lot of military dads on the podcast here as well. 
Uh, but, but I just want to transition into, into you. One of the things I'm curious about, Jim, is because you've been doing the comedy so successful at it. Have, have your kids, is it difficult for them to tell when you're being serious and when you're fooling around? Because sometimes like you could switch right in the middle. I'm sure for them it's different. And what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? Uh, um, they know when I'm serious. They know when I'm goofy. They, 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 they know. And actually, I think they like less funny dad at home. If that makes sense, uh, they're, they're they seem to be funnier and they seem to run the roost, but they're the entertainer. Dad is. Uh, like the oldest one is now appreciating funny dad off the stage. Funny um, where the other two think it's dorky and whatever and, and whatever. So I'm still dad. And I, I know to my father. He was hilarious, but, you know, World War II vet, um, ne- grew up with nothing. When I say nothing, he used to talk about eating possum pie and <laughs> turtle soup. And I thought that was a joke until he got together with his 10 brothers and sisters and they would talk about growing up in 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 Kentucky and in one house with, and they all slept on the floor and had no money. And it's like, Oh my God. And then three years in in the Philippines, never complained, never moaned about anything, never said it, this, that never. He was there as a dad. And at 21, he took me, everyone else said he was funny and I'd hear people laughing. Never was funny with me. Until I turned 21, he's like, oh, you're a man. We got a beer now. And that was the beginning of me realizing how damn funny in this whole different world of my father. I think my oldest one is starting to discover that about me. Um, Discipline. I'm good cop. I'm subtle undercover agent um my wife is bad cop so it's something goes down she goes in bing bang you dang and who do you and the die day you ever i swear die you dang your daughter die don't you and then and then i'll come in like you want a cigarette <laughs> is, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do my best i'll try to get your phone back we just got to talk about some stuff here. You sure you don't want a cigarette? You want a drink? Let's, let's talk about what happened here and how we can change this in the future. And I'll do what I can to just calm down this guy. This cop, you know, they get riled up. They've been on the force for a while. And it is what it is. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right tactic. But <laughs> what I've learned, too, the most – what I discovered, which – you know, I started doing a podcast a while ago and I would bring my daughter on. Um, and and the best compliment was I had two people in town that come up to me and go, you helped me so much with my teenagers. I'm like, really? Because I watched your podcast. I'm like, really? Get out of here. He goes, yeah, it's you nailed it. And I guess what he was saying was what I discovered with teenagers, the hardest thing in the world is they want to be – they reach an age, depending on the boy girl, it depends on the individual. They want to be treated like an adult. They want to make their own decisions. 
They want to be talked to like an adult. The fine line is we as a parent still see, oh, 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 oh. we still see the doof, the, 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 just like, oh my God, that's such a, you're sitting there belching and farting, picking your nose and, and, okay. Uh, what do you want to do exactly now? I discovered, I call it my friend Larry syndrome. It's helped tremendously with teenagers. It's, I'm going to talk to you right now the way I would talk to my friend Larry if Larry was doing this or Larry was talking about this. I would say to Larry, Larry, why would you do? I don't know if this is right. Why would you do something like that? Rather than who do you think you are? Are you stupid? Are you a moron? You know what? You're not allowed to do this. And, you, and they, they hit a stage in life where that just comes they just flatline the minute the minute you start going there. And it's not easy. And I'm not saying that's the right way, but it's helped. It's helped. It's helped tremendously. It doesn't stop them from being sneaky, and manipulative. But that's usually the course that I take. We're trying to discipline and communicate with them. It's communication. You got to really I tell I tell other parents, like, listen. If they get in the car and they start playing that music, God, 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 I'm you and you fit. Your first instinct is to go, why, why, are you, why would you listen to that? However, I like gathering information. I like going into the whys. Why are they listening to this? Are they pissed? Are they sexual? Are that what is what is drawing you to whatever you're watching and listening to? Because that is your key to finding out the why they're acting like this. Why are they dressing like this? Why are they talking like this? And once you keep peeling away the onion to find the why, it'll help you with so many issues that you may not even know are going on. Yeah, and, and listen, that, that's awesome stuff because I'm I'm right there now. I got my two oldest are teenagers, 15, 14, my two older boys. My girl, like I said, is my only one. She's seven, so I'm in no hurry to get her into the stage of the teenage uh, era there. But uh, one of the things I worry about, and you're, you're there now, is, is obviously when, that, when the boys come knocking and the dating scene begins. How did you kind of handle it, or what kind of advice did you do for your girls here when they became old enough to hit that dating scene? Um, that was a very tough one. Um, because girls, girls are quicker to the show. At least mine were, you know, girls, the minute they, they start changing and getting their, their period, they're ready to go. They start dressing differently. Um, and the hardest thing in the world is they're on the t- they're on the phone. You know, when me and you were growing up, it, it was a project. When I say project, it was like a, a PSYOPs Navy SEAL project to see a boob or to see a, a butt cheek. You know, we didn't, we'd, you'd be on cable 
And um, I remember when I first got cable came out and your friend be at the at the freaking um, outside during the school period. Like, hey, listen, come over here. What's going on? If you press the two and the 11 on your box at the same time after 11 p.m., there'd be a little grainy thing and you might catch it. 10 second of a bloop, a little boob, like, really? And I'd wait for hours for my parents to go to bed, like, 2 and 11. And it'd be all like, and then for a second, <laughs> bloop, like, oh, my God. Where, unfortunately, now they're exposed to extremely violent Disturbing, hardcore, sexual indoctrination at a very young age. Um, and they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to tell you that. And that, th- to me, that's the biggest battle is I would tell them, like, listen, if you're watching stuff, I'm telling you right now. Stuff is not real. It's this this person's addicted to something or someone's purpose. That is not what life that is not what a relationship is. Um, be very careful if the, whatever you're putting out, what you're going to get. So but when the boys first started coming. You know, right away, you know, right away. Once, once you see them, you go, uh-huh. and <laughs> you got to lay the law down. Um, but it's also tricky because girls will just be like, oh, you don't like them? Good, I'm going to see you more. My first one, whew, she was a challenge. The second one, I have to say... Um, a very, very, probably one of the best young men that ever came into our household. Extremely respectful. When a boy comes in and he says, uh, I don't know your last name, but hello, Mr. Brewer. Pleasure to meet you. Um, I'll just wait here for whatever. You, there, At least there's that respect factor where if, you ain't, if you're not looking at me and you, there is no waiting outside. No, 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 no. I need to meet everyone, everybody. I need to look them in the eye and they need to look me in the eye because there's always repercussions if something goes down and we already made a connection. So if they don't have a connection, they can care less with what they're going to attempt to do or try to get away with. But you also make those boundaries with your daughter. And, you know, my daughter would push the buttons and naturally we all do. So it's setting boundaries always meet who's coming into your household and who's taking your daughter where and always always question them hey what you guys been up to how are you guys because you don't know if she's going into a relationship that's potentially violent mind manipulating um uh sexually disturbing you will see the signs but you got to constantly constantly be aware and ask them. You don't have to be like, where'd you go last night? What'd you do? She's like, oh, so how was it? Again, it's the, it's the, 
private detective. How was it? Oh my god, it's crap. What'd you guys do? Oh my god. <laughs> we used to do that too. Okay, I gotta write that down. That's never gonna remember. Thanks. Uh yeah, what else is going on? Yeah, it's great. To me, that's the most valuable thing you get as much information. Keep that open line of communication. Yeah, listen, I, I'm trying to callous my mind here for, for what's to come for me. I'm hoping my three boys will be able to help me out when the time comes and they could be, uh, you know, in on it with me here. So we'll see how that goes. And you're you're right there. I remember if one kid in class had a Playboy magazine, he was like the man. Everybody would huddle around. Now, today, you just have to Google a naked woman and you have thousands of pages to look at it. Like if that were the case back in the day with all me and the friends, you'd have to walk through the room with a raincoat on. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> it, it, it's so it's so easy right now. And yeah. it's, uh, it is yeah. disturbing. Uh, how simple it is for these kids today so and like i said i got two teenage two teenage boys and it's like I, I try to put myself in their shoes it's like it's like they have a treasure trove of this stuff to go through so uh it, it's hard to find that that balance like hey don't look at that i'm like what are you looking at there you know what i mean so it, it it's um it's a difficult balance for sure when it comes to all of it yeah 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 and and it's just you just got to keep talking I'm like hey just be respectful just be respectful be respectful uh, you got to preach respect as much as possible. Be nice to her. Um, just, just be nice to the person you're with. You just never, you know, we all make mistakes or do whatever. But that that's that's as uh, much as uh, I try to push and set little boundaries and know when they're going to try to do their little, you know, whoosie whoosie. And, and you're not going to avoid it. You're not going to stop it. The best you could do is just let them know you're kind of aware, um, which, which, whatever. Um, we'll see. Yeah, it'll, it's definitely going to change me as a person. I know going through it. So, like I said, I'm, I'm preparing myself for it now. But I, I wanted to switch over to this um, and getting getting into what you do. Obviously, right now the, the the cancel culture has gone running wild, and I can only imagine as for new comedians coming up today, they probably I would think struggle where that fine line is. Where it seems like years ago there was no limit on what comedians could do, and now it seems like if you're trying to do comedy, you got to worry about who you're offending or what. So, what kind of advice do you have for the parents out there that have kids that are trying to pursue a, a comedy career? Should there should there be a fine line they're walking? How do they go about it? You know, uh, all I can say is is for myself. I always ask comics, people that want to do comedy, I always ask them the same question. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it for the, uh, I'm going to, and then I'm going to get, and then I'm going to be a, and then I'm going to, uh, are you doing it for the, for the hoopla? Or... Do you really enjoy the feeling of making someone laugh? Because that is a powerful, beautiful, spiritual feeling, um, which is what I first started with. Now, of course, I went through stages of the I want my leather pants. And then after my leather pants, I'm probably going to get a kangaroo and then I'll get a and I'm going to have a farm. You know, of course, I went through that stage. Um as long as you are doing it for the right reasons and you're not just purposely trying to shock people or whatever, uh, you should be fine. Intention is always the greatest part of whatever you're putting out there, whether it's comedy or lectures or whatever. What's your intention? Which is a big part of 
my new, you know, I have a new special coming out in, in November and, I, and I'm putting it on my own Patreon page. If people could download it, I don't have to worry about uh, Netflix or whoever going, oh, you know, the content, because the content and this new special, it's called Somebody Had to Say It. I think that explains a lot, is a lot about cancel culture. Uh, it, it hits gender, race, cancel culture, words, gender, you, you name it. I talk about it. And I believe. I I I present it in a way where 99.9% of the audience will go that's I I never really thought of it like that and not only did I not think about it like that that's pretty damn funny that's really funny and of course you're going to have two people that are just like oh my god he's a white supremacist he, he, he clearly voted for this and he's in the world of categorize what are you Go to the left. What do you go over there? What do you you're this? What do you blah, blah, blah. What's the word you said this way? But and that's that's part of programming brainwashing. I call it the cockatoos. The cockatoos listen to their favorite um, news programs and, they, and, a little, and they start and, and that's all they that's all they know. And that's OK. Um but I'm not afraid of that world if your intention is correct. And I, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get a little bit of something when this special comes out. But I am fearless of it because I know there's no mean intention. It just is what it is. And quite frankly, between what's been going on in the world the last year and a half, two years, and culturally the last couple – Somebody had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, well, I'll tell you what, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can get over there uh, and check it out. But I'll tell you what, I think there's a real hunger and a thirst for the material, Jim. I think people oh. are dying for it because oh. I think oh. uh, under the oh. surface of what we're seeing, people are just sick and tired of being sick and tired of the bullshit that's been going on for the last year and a half here. They're done. They're done. <laughs> and let me tell you this. I've played in the most what people say is like, you got away with it in that area. I've played everywhere. New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, um, Michigan, uh, Ohio, California, Nevada, Florida, Iowa. It, the whole, everybody with this special, with this material acts the same way and my audience is not a certain political gender they're not I, I don't do any politics i never have i still don't and i refuse to um but i will talk common sense and if you would like to define if your little brain defines it as uh, however you define it that's on you that that means you got to work on whatever you've been programmed so i will tell you this there is a hunger and people go bonkers, bonkers. And that's when I knew I started doing this material right out of the gate. And 
in a tent because we weren't allowed indoors. And I knew it was on to something. Me, not that I was on to something, but I knew I was hitting a nerve with everyone. Everyone feels this way. And we're afraid to say it. To be in a society where you fear what you're going to say, well, guess what? You're now in the communist world. You are now in a socialist world. You're now in a world where the government has installed that fear. And you will do as we say. And this is for your safety. <laughs> and make sure you report those that are not walking along our lines. And remember, we love our free country. And if you can't see that, I don't know how to help you. Um, so I make it pretty clear as day in this special called Somebody Had to Say It. And yeah. I, I got to say, to see people let, that this is the best response I ever have is thank. And the reason why I said this, the, I, I, I didn't know what I was going to call it. Every place I played, people came up and they went, thank you. I feel like I just went to church and they got to do it. I can't believe you said what we've all been dying to say, what we say behind that You make me feel so, oh, my God. Thank God somebody is saying it. Somebody has to say it. And I went, oh, my God, somebody had to say it. I'm going to name it that and that every single show, somebody had to say it. Somebody had to say it. Somebody has. Thank God you said it because somebody has to say it. And so there you go. Um, I'm not afraid of cancel culture. And I pray that the new people aren't. But always remember, at the end of the day. You got to be funny. Because funny is the healer. And not everyone's going to laugh. Not everyone's going to like you. And once you're okay with that, and I am okay with that, I know what kind of person I am. I know what kind of human I am. I know what kind of parent I am. That's more important. And I know what kind of comedy I put out there. And I'm very blessed to be able to have that. So I don't worry about cancel culture. Those are people that are, unfortunately, there's a lot going on up here. And I can't, I can't get in that psychological world. That's on them. They need to heal. They need healing. And maybe one day they will. Yeah. Uh, well said. I agree with you, Jim. Not only am I looking forward to the special, I'm looking forward to the reaction to the special, too. So uh, really cool that it's coming up. Uh, I'm going to move you along here. The last thing I want to hit you with, Jim, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Um, the new dad is welcome to the greatest club that humanity can ever give you. Do not take it lightly. Um, you've been asked to take on a powerful role that will last for generations. And it isn't always the most thankful job, but it is your duty and have a damn good time with it. Enjoy every second you can. Enjoy every moment. Watch them grow and learn from them. You can learn so much from the spirit of a child, your child. And that's 
That's what I usually end up telling them. Yeah, very well said. I, I love the message. It's been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Jim Brewer, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. It's a pleasure. All the best to you. Safe journeys and uh, God bless and much laughter in your world. Have a good one. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Jim Brewer for giving me a few minutes of his time here. How cool was that? Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. If you guys are interested in helping support the podcast here and looking to get a better night's sleep, go visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD. You're going to save up to 66% on your order. All right, you're never going to get a better night's sleep. Their mattress topper, I highly recommend. It's the best product I've gotten from them. But you also got to try their towels, uh, the sheets, the slippers, the whole nine yards, and, of course, the MyPillow itself. All right, so go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD. You're going to save up to 66% on your order and help support the podcast here. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. Your half-truths and tales As tall as a tree's But it's all feeling